0: When you criticize a generation like the millennials, I don't think we can hold smartphones against them. They just kind of were invented when they came along. Imagine if they had iPhones in the 60s, and, you know, Neil Armstrong's going to the moon. It takes a while to get there. He's probably spent a lot of time watching dog videos, and I think we owe it to our ancestors to think that they could both be productive and have really cool gadgets. But I think one of the main problems with millennials is their use of hyperbole. There's just no frame of reference for them when something good or bad comes along. Everything's the best or everything's the worst. I mean, the use of hyperbole is just the worst. So thanks for listening today. This is the Homers and Hammers podcast, the only podcast that I know of dedicated to baseball and curling. I'm your host, Matt Sussman. It is Thursday, January 21st, 2016. Now, this past weekend, uh, we had the Continental Cup of Curling take place in Las Vegas. It was the uh, second time in three years they've hosted the event, and I imagine in every odd year, I suppose, that's where it's going to be. And lo and behold, we had the closest Continental Cup in its about 14 years of existence. You needed 30.5 points to win, and that is exactly the amount of points that North America got. Uh, the world ended up with 29.5, so I guess they sort of covered the spread there. But when you're trying to think of as exciting a finish for multiple team events... So you had three games on the final draw, and in the final end you had North America at 29.5. And, and there were a total of four points on those final ends, and North America just asked to get one of them. So you had the... Uh, Eve Muirhead versus Jennifer Jones game where uh, Eve Muirhead, she throws her shot. She makes it, so world gets that one point. You had Kevin Cooey throw a, a throw for two points, and he didn't get it, but they had to do a tiebreaker, so they tabled that, and then it came down to John Morris in North America. He threw a shot, ended up getting the point, and, and they celebrated and won. And then after all the celebration, everyone left the ice, and they had to uh, throw for the two points on the uh, Kevin Cooey-Nicholas uh, uh game, and Nicholas Adeen got the two points, so that's where it came to the 30.5 to 29.5. So, you know, three high-pressure shots in succession, three very difficult shots all together. Now that, you know, if you watched it and you weren't excited, then it, it's just not your sport. That that was a very comparable to that 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 game uh, 162 uh, a few years ago when you know Tampa needed the Yankees to lose, the Red Sox to lose, and they won their own. Just just madness all over. One of the other things they did was mixed doubles, which I'm always interested in seeing how those go for traditional curlers that don't normally play mixed. And you know they got the hang of it, but. There was one part of it that was interesting because this year they introduced a new odd rule in mixed doubles where all the games taking place at the same time everyone throws at the same time then once all the shots are done they have a little bit of an intermission like a little musical interlude over the PA and then everyone settles up and then once the music stops again then everyone can throw it's it's kind of like musical chairs but for curling very very odd rule but after one draw of doing that the athletes did not like it and so they got together and they said we don't like it let's get rid of it and everyone apparently was okay with it because then they stopped the uh, musical interlude and they just kept going on about it and that's one of the facets I've always admired about the sport is their acceptance to new rules but also their ability to shutter them if they're just not working out the sport curling has changed in the last 20-25 years especially with the free guard zone where they keep adding rocks to it and they've you know added uh electronic sensors in the stones and um especially this year with all the sweeping rules and you're allowed to um sweep directionally so they're very adaptable to new rules if they feel it's warranted. Now, for mixed doubles, it feels, since it's a very recent sport, it was invented this century, they feel, "Well, we made up the rule once, we can change it again. And you get that with baseball, and you feel, well, this is the way baseball is. There's, we just can't change it." And you know you think about the designated hitter rule, and it comes up every year. And it was uh, in January of 1973 that they voted to introduce the designated hitter into the American League. And here's what I propose. I, I don't mind the discussion, but it has to stay within January. So if it's January 1st through January 31st of a year, that should be National Designated Hitter Awareness Month. If you're having a discussion about the DH, whether it should be there, whether it shouldn't be there, and you have it outside of January, then you're in violation of the rule. Now, I don't have a penalty for it, but I imagine that if you break the rule, sometime later in that year, someone's probably going to hit you with a fastball. And since this is January, I will go forward with my argument. As a fan of an American League team, I am, I guess, used to it, but... You know, I watch both leagues and am not uh, too averse one way or the other, but I think the argument basically comes down to what is more compelling to you. Is it watching a pitcher try to bat, which uh, they're not used to, and they're going to hit about 150, and if they hit a home run, it's one of the weirdest things in the world? Or is it more compelling to watch just another competent hitter be part of the lineup that may not necessarily be a good fielder uh, would you rather see those older players in the lineup or would you rather see a pitcher hit now you know going i can go both ways which to me says hey let's have one league have it and one league don't and that's kind of the way it's been but i can certainly see down the road where introducing the dh in both leagues would Uh, ostensibly introduce a new position for more players, I I honestly in 50 years could see baseball become even more specialized where you have basically a cadre of hitters and then a cadre of fielders and, and pitchers. I mean, maybe even the pitchers could take the field, but I could really see where the roster could expand and you have people that all they do in baseball is field the ball and all others do is hit the ball. Seems weird now, but you know, specialization has sort of been the way that sports have gone where versatility is admired, but in the end, you have a more quality of a player by keeping them to do just one or two things. By the way, that sound you hear right now is Hanley Ramirez building a time machine to go 50 years from now. But we're still here in January 2016, unfortunately. So we'll make the best of it, and one thing happening, obviously, of January, the first thing you think of is curling in Arizona. Well, of course, curling in Arizona. Uh, this weekend is the inaugural Ed Werenich Golden Wrench Classic, and that is going to be a World Curling Tour event hosted in Arizona. It's going to be the first event they've ever really held that features pro teams and Looking at the field, man, there's there's a there's like six top 20 teams here. And obviously, a lot of the best American teams are going to be there. John Schuster and Pete Fenson and Craig Brown, pretty much all the, the high performance teams. And then you got you know Mike McEwen, ranked number one. You have got Pat Simmons to reigning Team Canada. You've got Brendan Bocher. He's ranked number nine in the world. Uh, Jim Cotter. So it's an event that's going to feature a lot of teams we've heard of, and I understand that it will be available on web stream through TESN. Uh, but I, that could mean lots of things. It could be a broadcast with commentators, or it could just be a camera and another camera showing you the house and no audio. So it's it's usually a gamble with those kind of things. But if it is any good, I'll try to you know get the word out there. But if it's not good, then we can just change the rule and say, hey, no more curling events in Arizona. All right, uh, let's go to the mailbag. We do have a question from Matt. He asks, will the Tigers trade Justin Upton to the Rangers before his opt-out, or will he opt-out and then sign with the Rangers? Also, now that he's finally out from under his younger brother's shadow, will we receive a return to form from Melvin Upton Jr. in San Diego? Well, I could see this happening. The Tigers trading Justin Upton to the Rangers for Prince Fielder. And then the Tigers lobby for that whole nine designated hitter rigmarole that I just mentioned. That could definitely happen. Um, Something tells me that Opt Out actually does come into play. I think he has two really nice years and then bolts and then tries to get more money. As for Melvin in San Diego... I could also see improvement in there. Now, I don't have any brothers, but I imagine when you do have a brother and you play for the same baseball team, I do think it is a rule that you have to share a room with your brother. And even though Melvin's the older brother, he probably gets the top bunk. He probably doesn't get a lot of sleep because his younger brother is probably on the bottom bunk playing, I don't know, Game Boy or tiddlywinks or whatever it is Younger Brothers play. Again, I wouldn't know anything about that, but you heard it here first. Melvin Upton is going to have a breakout year, maybe. Anyways, this podcast is now on iTunes, so subscribe on that if you haven't yet. We also have our Twitter account finally up and running, at Homer's and Hammers. It took about four days for me to tell Twitter that this account was not a spam account. I couldn't update anything at all whatsoever, Because I kept getting the error message when I was trying to post something. Error, we do not allow baseball and curling podcasts on this website. But after some smooth talking, we got all that ironed out. So follow us there. And I guess give us a good review on iTunes. Because I hear that's what podcasters usually tell people at the end of the podcast. So that's it. We're going to finish this week's episode of Homers and Hammers right now.